It's my privilege to read the word this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. Thirty-nine, forty, and then one and two and twelve. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these particular verses, which are so rich. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come now and open up our eyes and our ears, soften our hearts, anoint Jackie as he presents the word. Lord, I just pray that uh, we could be changed by these words and go out and do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, somebody was worried when he started in Hebrews 11, huh? I think we were in Hebrews 11 for 12 weeks or something. See, I'm, I'm all the way to 12 now. <clears throat> I don't even think it's been a year yet, so we're doing okay. As we look at, uh, at the scripture that we have before us this morning, it's exciting because there is one imperative, or which is a fancy way of saying there's one command. And the one command that we're looking at in this section of scripture is run. Now, I don't know about you. How many runners we got? Any? (laughs) Oh, the runners don't come to church here. (laughs) I used to be a runner a long time ago. You guys ever heard that story where they tell you that uh, if you run enough, you get this runner's high? Anybody ever heard of that? That's a lie. (laughs) And... I ran for five years in the Marine Corps every single day, three to five miles, every day, five years. Never once did I feel good doing it. (laughs) Never once did I enjoy it. And what I discovered is, is work every single day. Every single time the alarm go off and I go, time to run. Get up and go out there and do it. But there is a reason behind it. There is a reason behind the the running that I did in those days because sometimes being in the kind of shape you need to be in is the difference between being alive or dead and if you're in the Marine Corps facing an enemy you probably want as many things on your side right you want to be in the kind of shape that you need to be in well, as we come to our text this morning, God has a similar thing it's an illustration that he's laying out for us a challenge To us, that our life is not supposed to be a life of meandering. Meandering is what a stream does. And when we want to relax, we walk down to the stream and we watch it meander. 
Maybe we throw a flower in it and we watch the flower meander down the stream. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to run. So there's a purposeful attitude about it, right? There's a, a concept that says, man, I, there's, there's something I have to set my mind to do. It just doesn't happen automatic. If you're waiting for that automatic to kick in, it don't come. We need to recognize that what God is looking for from us and what He wants us to understand this morning is He's calling us to set aside our meandering and run with endurance my race that He set before me. One of the interesting things as we begin to to take a look at the Scripture this morning that I want to challenge you with, this is not a race we have in common. We're not all racing the same race and, and crossing a finish line to see who's going to win. This is specific. This race is specific to you. You have a challenge in your life, a, a walk, a road that God has called you to walk. How many of us know that the road we're walking, the experiences of our life is different than other people's? Can we all agree that that's, that's just how life is in reality? So when God says, I'm calling you to run your race, to run with endurance, to finish the race of faith, to finish well. What he's calling you to do is to, is to finish your race, your particular experience, your life. Other people's races are longer, maybe some of them are shorter, but you know what? We all have one to run. And so just like his word to Peter last week when we were uh, uh, at Easter, when we talked about Peter Looking at John, we say, look, it's not about what somebody else is doing. It's you. Your race is against yourself. And that's probably the harshest competitor we have, isn't it? When if we're honest, what what makes us not want to go? What makes us not want to run? What makes us not want to get out there? Self. My own issues. And we're going to see the scripture this this morning is going to deal with some of that. Now what I want you to understand, the book of Hebrews is written to a church that is older. One of the ways we're going to see the church described is those who have feeble knees and their arms are hanging down. The ideas are wore out. They're tired. You ever felt that way? That's what this church was. This is the church that he's describing. He's saying these guys have, have come to a place where they're, they've lost their focus that, that life, Christian life, following Jesus Christ is warfare. That we're not in captured territory. We're in enemy territory. That the battles that we face are not always with somebody out there. The battle that I face is more often with somebody right here. No? I got to do battle with my flesh every day. With my desires. With the things inside of me that want to go a different direction. But this church here that the writer of Hebrews is writing to has kind of lost some of that. Their hands have grown weak. Their, their knees have grown fable, uh, feeble. And they understand now that it's easier to meander. Just cruise. Just cruising through life. But they need to be reminded. So the writer of Hebrews has been reminding them. Let me remind you. Hebrews 2.1. Remember, he said this, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. The attitude is, are we, we really need to focus. We need to focus. Are we focusing? Or we lose focus? 
He's calling us to focus in verse 3 of Hebrews 2. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation that was declared at first by the Lord and has been attested to us by those who heard? So the church that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, he's saying to him, look, there's a disease of, of neglecting and drifting that has, has come in to the body. And we find ourselves in a place where we have grown careless. Maybe we're a little lazy, negligent. And so his exhortation is that we would stop that and we would run. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, he warned of this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day. That's, that's encourage. Encourage each other every day. That's an imperative. It's a command that we should be looking for the opportunity. We, together corporately as a body, should be looking for an opportunity to exhort one another. As long as it is called today. So how long is today called today? So far it still is, right? So, so we can still consider today's the day. We should be encouraging. Why? So that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Because sin is deceitful, right? We, we let a little of it creep in. But what did Jesus say? A little leaven does what? Leaven's a whole lump. Pretty soon that sin has taken over and, and we find ourselves distant from the Lord. Maybe this church had a false sense of security. Maybe they felt like nothing's really at stake. I mean, you know, what's the big deal after all? Who cares if I, if I plug in, if I'm a part of of what's going on, if I'm plugged into small groups, or or if I have my own meditation time in the Word, or or I'm focused in prayer. So they find themselves in this state, right? We've been talking about it before, drifting, of meandering, of not running. So Hebrews is written for them. In Hebrews 5.12 it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. The challenge from the writer of Hebrews to that church is, Hey, man, you should be teaching by now. You should have grown enough in the Word to be able to come alongside somebody and help raise them up, help encourage them, be pouring into them. And the more of that that's occurring, the more vibrant the body of Christ becomes. People today, they throw around this word, drives me crazy. Every time I hear this word, I, I feel a little sick. I'm going to say it, so bear with me. There's this word, relevance. It uh, drives me crazy. What, 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 what do I mean? Well, look, you want to be relevant? Then be involved in people's lives. You want to be relevant? Be there when they're crying. Be there when they're rejoicing. Come alongside somebody and pour into their life. That is what being relevant is. Agreeing with the world is not relevance. That's just dumb. But coming alongside and pouring into somebody's life, now that's different, right? That's coming along. Now, that's our responsibility as a church. That's our responsibility individually, you and I. In Hebrews 12, they're encouraged. In verse 12 and 13, he says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. 
So this illustration he's given, you have drooping hands, weak knees, crooked paths. Drooping hands, weak knees, crooked paths. And he's telling us the solution to that. Run. Let us run. That's the call he gives us. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so close, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is a point of the whole book. This is why we spend time in the Word. This is why we pray. This is why we study. This is why we strive. This is why we look unto Christ to follow and walk with Him. The call is a call to endure. The call is a call of perseverance to run, to fight, to be alert, be strengthened, not to drift, not to neglect, not to be sluggish. Not to, to be focused on something else when we ought to be focused on Christ. Paul would say, I have fought the good fight of faith. And ultimately, I don't know anybody who wants to say, I just came strolling in. Everybody I know wants to be able to say those words. I fought the good fight. I, I, I fought the good warfare. I did what God was calling and directing me to do. I, I fulfilled my purpose. I recognize the picture, the basis of Christ's spectacular death, His resurrection. And I want to show my faith like the people we've been studying in chapter 11. I don't want to coast. I want to sprint across the finish line. It's my finish line. I want to beat my time. I want to say I took what God gave me and I used every drop. Every drop that I could, I, I put into serving Him. In fact, in Hebrews 11, verse 26, it says this, speaking of Moses, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. That's what I want my life to look like. I want my life to look like that. I, that Christ is a greater treasure than whatever we think it's costing us to run our race. And it does cost something. There's a price if I want to be a runner. There's a price. My knees will rebel against my entire body and want to move out if I decide I want to run. But if I decide I want to run, I have to decide I'm willing to pay the price, right? I'm hauling around, I'll be easy and say 50 pounds too much. But if I want to run, i got to pay the price, right? It's no different if I'm going to run my race with Christ. There is a price. It costs me something. There's something in my life that God is, is asking me to consider. And he wants me to be purposeful about it, not aimless. Let us run. 
There's a reason he uses that illustration. So he challenges us. He says, lay aside every weight. Man, that ought to start to melt your noodle just a little bit. He could have said, and he does, the next section, he could have said, I want you to focus on that sin that so easily ensnares you. But that's not where he starts. What do you start with? Get rid of every weight. What's the point of that? The weight's not sin. The weight that's holding you back can be something good. How many times did I spend my life asking this question? Well, is this sin if I do this? And oftentimes the answer would be, no, that's not sin. Well, then I'm going to do it. But I'm asking the wrong question. What I should be asking is, will this help me run? Will this help me finish my race? Or is this going to withhold? Is this holding me back? That's what he says when he says, let us lay aside every weight. He's asking us to look at our lives and say, what is stopping me? What is stopping me from from affecting my community, where I live, my neighborhood, my family? What What is stopping me from being the example that Christ is asking me to be? What is stopping me? And then he's saying, not only to name it, but then to cut it out. Lay it aside. Throw it away. Get it out. Get it out. The question is not, is this sin? Is there something morally wrong with this? Sometimes the question is this. Does this help you run? Because none of us guys are going to say, you know, I'm going to start an exercise regimen tomorrow. And I'm going to start running. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go grab a barbell... And uh, we'll start with something easy, 225 pounds. I'll put that on my back, and we'll start jogging. I've never seen nobody do that. There's a reason for that. The reason is, that weight's going to slow you down. It's going to make the effort almost impossible. And the reality is, what that means is, you're not going to go. You're not going to run. The challenge is, let us run. But what's he asking us to do? Put away the weight. Lay aside this weight. Sometimes we ask the question, well, well, is there something wrong with this music? Is there something wrong with this movie? Is there something wrong with this video game? Is there something wrong with whatever? You You fill in the blank. And what we really need to be asking ourselves is, does this help me run? Does this help me be what Christ is asking me to be. Hebrews 12.1 is a command to look at in our life, to think hard about, to ask ourselves, what are we doing? And then to get ruthless about what stays and what goes. And you already know what it is. Popped in your mind as soon as I said, wait. And the battle's not going to be a battle over whether or not it's a good thing, the battle's going to be with yourself on whether or not you'll be satisfied to continue meandering or if you're going to decide, no, I'm running. I'm running. Probably one of the, one of the greatest joys 
in my life ever when I was running was finishing. When I came running across the line at our PFT and I come running across wherever the end of the run was, that was the greatest joy. Why? Because the race was over. And don't you see, that's exactly what he's calling us to do. Run the race looking unto Jesus. We're running to him. How do you want to get there? Do you want to get there just sprinting for the line? Giving all you got. Because I think that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's encouraging us to. To lay aside the weight and to go. But if we're going to run, if we're going to do this run, (coughs) we need to plan our run. We need to plan how we're going to run, how we're going to get there. And one of the things I discovered a few weeks ago, we had a, a business meeting at the church and we were discussing some of the financial things going on at the church. And, and I discovered something that the Bible told me was true before I realized it. That ever happened to you guys? Where you see something happening and you go, the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about this. Yeah, it's in Habakkuk chapter 2, this is what it says. And the Lord said to me, write the vision and make it plain so that he may run who reads it. And the, the thing that we were talking about was this idea of there's a, a desire within the body to run. We just want to know where we're running. Well, what are we doing? <coughs> How do we run? Where's my plan to run? I, I don't want to just go make up my own, uh, my own mind. I want to do this together. I want to do this corporately. And so part of what we're discussing today as we look at Hebrews 12.1 is the vision, Calvary Chapel Buell, where we want desperately to go. And we want to make that vision clear. So for the past several weeks, we've been looking at it. The board's been looking at it. And, and we've been flipping over words and, and, and changing sentences and trying to get it just right so, <clears throat> so that we can post this. We can post it on our website. We can post it on a wall. We post it wherever so you can see it and say, that's the race I want to run. Or at least you can know there's a race I can get in. Here's where we as Calvary Chapel Buell want to go. So we want to make the vision plain. We want to make it understandable so we understand where we're going and how we get there. <clears throat> For the vision awaits its appointed time. And it hastens to the end, and it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. The whole thing, Habakkuk chapter 2. Now, I know this is a little out of context, but the whole thing fits with the concept of running, no? Running, take the vision. Where am I going? What's the course? What's the course look like? How do we get there? How do we make it work? So, here's our statement that we're, that we're working off of. It is our vision as a Bible-believing church, to faithfully and diligently be obedient to God's Word, to proclaim the true gospel wherever and to whomever we can so as to promote His kingdom, and finally, to care for His sheep locally and in the world. Therefore, to accomplish this vision, as members of Calvary Chapel Buell, we pledge to build up the broken in order... Two, and we have several action steps 
But one of the things we have to recognize, guys, and we've talked about this and we've joked about it before, but this is a church of the broken. One of the important things for us to understand is we ain't all there yet. We have not arrived. Sinless perfection has not entered into our lives yet. And as we continue to strive forward, we need to recognize that we all are starting from the same place, right? I might be standing up here so you can see me and hear me, but I'm no higher on a ladder of spiritual success than you. We all put our feet on the same ground. And as broken people, we need to do what Hebrews is challenging us to. What? While it's today, do what? Encourage each other to do what? Run! Run! To Jesus. Run to Him. So this is what we want to do. We are pledging to build up the broken too. Number one, understand that the Bible is the final arbiter and authority in our daily life. It contains a perfect design for marriage and family from conception to death. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Theos nustos. It's God breathed. These are God's words. This is God's direction. God breathed to us. And it's profitable. It's good. For what? For teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. For what purpose? That the man of God may be complete and equipped for what? Every good work. So one of the first things we're going to do is put a heavy emphasis on the word of God. That's why we teach verse by verse. Chapter by chapter, no matter when, where, what, how you go to, that's the way we're going to be doing things. Because we want to put an emphasis on the Word of God being the authority for the church. The Word of God is what guides us, leads us, and directs us. So we're building up the broken to understand that the Word of God is the final arbiter in our walk with Christ, in our race. So we want to know what is a sin we need to cast off. Where do I got to look? All I got to do is open up the Bible, look through the pages, look, it's not hard to figure out. I look at it and I go, man, I'm, I'm a little bitter with my wife. What's the Bible going to tell me? The Bible's going to tell me, love my wife like Christ loved the church, right? You know what else the Bible's going to tell me? If I'm bitter with my wife, my prayers are hindered. So the Bible's going to say, man, that's, that's something you want to cast off, Right? That's something you want to get away. We want to be able to go to the Word of God and receive that understanding. And so, we also want to build up the broken to grow in the knowledge of God's grace and in the sanctifying power of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the study of His Word, prayer, and worship. Well, that's, that's how we run We study the Word. We grow in the grace of God. We grow in the sanctifying power of His truth, working and moving in our lives, changing us from the inside out. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now to the day of eternity. Amen. So God's Word is calling us. Grow in grace. Grow in truth. Grow in understanding. That's what Hebrews was warning about, right? Hey, you guys, we should be teaching. We should be coming alongside one another and encouraging one another. Having that word that God gives us through His word. Because we've made His word authority in our life. Now we find that authority coming out as we share what God's grace has shown us. 
what God's truth has done in our lives. We share that with one another and we watch one another grow. We want to help together. Just like we were talking about the baby dedications today. What are we pledging, guys? It's not just a chance to come up and and pray over a baby and look at how cute Jonah is. He was cute, right? But And Selah, in a little while, we're going to have Selah come up. Same thing. But when we do that, when we come up, what are we saying? We're saying, man, I want to be there for that child. I want to be there for Jonah. When he has questions about the Word. I want to be there for him when he's struggling in life. When we do a baby dedication, that's what we're saying. We're dedicating this child to the Lord, and we are saying, we want to be there. We want to help. We want to be a part in some way of bringing encouragement, of teaching him. The Word of God is the final arbiter of truth. Of helping him to grow in grace. And the sanctifying power of the truth, which is Jesus Christ, through His Word. We want to be able to help Him do that. (coughs) The third action point of our vision is this. We want to build up the broken to overcome the destructive hurts, hang-ups, and habits of the sin that so easily ensnares us. We want to be able to to come along. The reality is, guys, it's easy to say the words, oh, we're broken. But maybe you don't believe it. I actually believe it. I'm busted. I'm broke, and I need the grace of God every day. I don't just need it Monday and Tuesday, but Wednesday and Thursday I'm okay. No, I need His grace every day. I need His Word working in my life every day. And when we are struggling and we're having difficulty with hurts, habits, or hang-ups, when we're struggling in those areas of our life, what do we need to do? We need to come alongside one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. That's what we're supposed to do together. See, being part of a church is is, is the idea of being part of a social network of people who are willing to help one another out. And if everybody's looking for me, to meet everybody's need, just take a look around here and figure out how that's going to happen. We're going to have to stand with one another, right? We're going to need to come alongside shoulder to shoulder and say, man, I want to help. How do I help? And the ministries that we have here at the church that we'll be talking about in a moment are here for these purposes. To show us the Word of God as a final arbiter, to help us grow in the grace and truth as we study His Word, as we pray together, as we worship together, to be able to come alongside one another and help us when we're having a hard time, when life got difficult, when things got in the way. Hebrews 1 and 2 of chapter 12. Remember, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin which which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We're, we're pledging as a body that we're going to help one another overcome the destructive things in our life. That's what it is to be church. That's what it is to be a body.
Next, we want to say that we're, we are pledging to build up the broken, to challenge and engage the culture in its rebellion against God. Some people don't understand this part. They're like, well, well why we got to do that? Well, I'll just challenge you with this. <coughs> when you have time, today, later on, read Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33. In those two chapters of the book of Ezekiel, God says to Ezekiel, I have called you to be a watcher on a wall. I want you to go and be a watcher. And here's your purpose, Ezekiel. I'm going to tell you what's right or wrong with these people, and you're going to tell them. Now, he says, if you go tell them, if you go sound the trumpet, and they don't pay attention, and they die, at least they were warned. Their blood is on their own hands. But if I tell you and you don't warn them and you don't engage, you don't talk, you don't share, they're still going to die for their sin. But their blood I'll require at your hands. Now, all I'm trying to say is it seems important that God wants us to sound the trumpet. In the book of James, in James chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Same deal. Sound the trumpet. So what's that mean? It means we engage. That's, That's why we have folks that stand outside of Planned Parenthood. Not because we hate people. Not because we're just trying to make people mad. But the reality is because we want to tell them, yeah, this is bad. This is wrong. This is sin. Turn from your sin. At the same time, offering them help, offering them hope, offering them forgiveness when they don't listen. But all the while... Challenging the culture, not just withdrawing from the culture. What the church has done for the last several hundred years is withdraw from the culture, hide inside its own walls, and then wonder how in the world did the world get like this? What happened? And we all tell the story, well, when I was a kid, right? when I was a kid, we did this. When I was a kid, you could do that. Now you can't do any of those things. But the church should be engaging. The church should be challenging now, the Bible tells us to speak the truth, but it tells us to do it how? Speak the truth in love. And I want you to know, I want you to know, it's more loving to tell someone they're on the road to destruction than to ignore them and hope something changes. There's a lot of ways we want to be able to do that. Part of being part of a body is saying, I, I can be a part of that. I can be a part of of this idea of challenging or engaging the culture. Man, there's so many ways. People, you know, maybe you think, oh, I don't know if I could go stand out on the corner. I don't like tomatoes, and I heard they throw those at you when you're out there. It's possible. But, you know, Jason was just talking about baby bottles. Those baby bottles for Stanton Healthcare is part of their funding so that they can be the alternative to Planned Parenthood. And how hard is it to take a baby bottle and the change that drives you crazy in your pockets or in your ashtray, in your truck, 
or on the floor or in the, in the cushions of your couch and you fill up that baby bottle and, and bring it to Stanton Healthcare, what have you just done? You're being a part, right? Jesus said you can't even get a glass of cool water without getting credit. Anything you do that's a part of engaging, a part of being a part, <clears throat> maybe everybody won't stand on the corner. Hopefully more will, but maybe everybody won't. But everybody needs to engage. Everybody needs to be challenged. That's what the Word of God calls us to. Next, we want to build up the broken to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. You guys know where that's at, right? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go, therefore, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. The point is, as broken people, we want to come alongside one another, encourage one another to be able to accomplish that. He said, Hebrews, some of you should be teachers by now. Meaning what? Just going to somebody next to you in the, in the row you're sitting on and, and having coffee with them once a week. There's a fella who two years ago, I'm going to guess two years. I don't think it's been three. Two years ago said, man, I really need some discipleship, Jackie. Which, by the way, I'm always willing to give. He said, I really need some discipleship. But will you meet me at 6 in the morning every Wednesday in Twin Falls? So every morning, every Wednesday morning, 6 in the morning, we meet at Norm's Cafe in Twin Falls. And I do my best to disciple him, help him with whatever stuff he's is going on in his life. Now, I can only do one person that way on, on Wednesday morning. But if we were all doing that, how many people could we help? How many could we be a part of, of encouraging? How much stronger would the body be growing? And that's exactly what I think God is calling us to. Next, we also want to build up the broken to support the poor, the needy, the widow, and the orphan. <clears throat> Scripture tells in James 1.27, Pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. Jesus said the poor you will have with you how long? So we're not going to solve poverty, but we can be a part of engaging and making sure somebody that doesn't have the ability to have Thanksgiving can have a turkey. It's not that hard to do. There's enough places around that that will give them away and turkey's not that expensive, is it? It's it's about coming alongside those folks and we have in, at Calvary Chapel Buell, we have given away more money than we have ever kept in trying to help people make rent, pay electric bills, uh, help people with gas to get the doctor's appointment, you name it. <clears throat> it has walked through the door, and we want to pledge to continue to do that as much as we are able. <clears throat> but we can only do so much, right? But the same deal, if we can... If we can spread some of this around one another, that we start to see and recognize those needs as a body, as a church, that we catch the vision. This is how we run to Christ. We take care of them. What's the greatest thing you can give someone who's poor, needy, widow, or orphan? Man, they need Jesus more than they're going to need anything else in life. They might not know it. 
But they need Him. And we can give it. We can give it. We can express that. Finally, we want to build up the broken too. The last point. Create opportunities to build friendship in the body of Christ. Learning to bear with one another in love. And we want to teach each other to get along. Wouldn't that be neat? Oh, you guys are going to start telling me you get along with everybody now. I know you guys come talk to me. You don't expect me to lie in church, do you? (laughs) I know we have challenges, personality challenges and things we face. But I just want you to see how the Word of God challenges us to grow in God's grace and the Word of God to be able to meet these needs in one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, you guys are familiar with this. He says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he gave Calvary Chapel Buell pastors, teachers, evangelists to come alongside of you, me, to engage each of us, to equip us to do what? Go out and do the ministry. That's the things we've been talking about, to run to Christ. To run to Christ for, for all we're worth until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. You hear what he's saying? Until we're unified like Jesus is. Until we have unity in the church like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They don't bicker. They're united. And we want to have that kind of unity. Now, does it just happen? If we, if we click our ruby red slippers together and we say whatever it was she was supposed to say, there's no place like home. See, I knew somebody knows. Is that how we do it or does it cost something? Just like running, it, it, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us effort to, to arrive at the mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves, <coughs> carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head under Christ. We're to be like Jesus, from whom the whole body, that's all of us, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's how you get there. You take the Word of God, you apply it in your life, you run to Christ, and you watch how He binds us together in love. You watch. He's calling us to run. He's calling us to run. We have... A bunch of ministries going on here at the church that all fit somewhere on this scale. Different things. Everything from Bible studies to going out to Planned Parenthood to ministering at the jail, um, celebrate recovery. There's just more than I can run off off the top of my head. But here's what I'm hoping for for you guys. We have... Ask everybody who's associated with those ministries to be available after church. And when you walked in, you saw a bunch of tables outside, hopefully not in the rain, which are, each have a piece of paper on them that 
describe the ministry, give some ministry title. And as we, as we close out today and as we look for what God has for us and how we're going to run to Christ, I just pray that you'll consider walking up and getting some more information. Ask the folks that are out there, what is this Celebrate Recovery thing all about? Or, or get some information on ladies' Bible studies or men's Bible studies. You can hook up. we got Monday morning, tomorrow, 7 o'clock. You can meet me over at the coffee place right across the street. Ask any Bible question you want. I, we've never been so full that we haven't been able to fit anybody in. But the opportunity is there every Monday morning. Men, every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., discipleship. Right here, used to be in my office, which is now utterly tore apart, just like most of the church. But we'll find another corner to, to sit in. Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., discipleship, studying the Word of God, going through the book of Ezekiel, opportunities. There's things out there that you can walk by and look at and say, man, here's a way I can plug in. Here's something I can be a part of. And I pray that God will lead you to that. Because you see, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tell us there's a reason. Why are we supposed to do this? Why do we run? Why do we run to Jesus? Why are we trying to finish our race? He said, because... We are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's all we've been reading in Hebrews 11. What is that crowd of witnesses? What are they witnessing? It's not that they're watching us. It's that they've witnessed to us. What have they witnessed to us in Hebrews 11? What have they witnessed to us? They have witnessed this. It can be done. It can be done. This race of faith, it can be won. Even in the most difficult circumstances. That's Hebrews 11. Everyone you read, what are they saying? It can be done. You can do it. You can finish. You can run. We did. These were the challenges we faced and how we overcome. These were the difficulties we went through. These are what my scars look like. But I finished the race. So since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is the call. In Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he's dead, he still speaks. What's he say? It can be done. It can be done. This race of faith it can be won. <clears throat> In Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 and 40, we're told that all of history is waiting. Did you catch that? In Hebrews eleven thirty nine, 39, it says, These all that were commended through their faith did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they would not be made perfect. Therefore, run. What's he saying? He's saying, look... They're there, they're in heaven, and they're waiting for the final fulfillment. But God said, everybody's going to receive that at the same time. They don't get it apart from you, you don't get it apart from them. You're all going to get it together. So since you're all getting it together, and they're waiting, they're eagerly waiting for the redemption of their bodies. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's right, we have a present, but that's not the new glorified body. That happens at the resurrection. That resurrection doesn't happen until we finish our race. So run. Run to win. Run to finish. And then 
The next motivation we see in Scripture is to recognize Jesus is the one who gave it all to us in the first place. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter. doesn't matter what words you use, all means the same thing. It means He's the one that gave you the faith in the first place. And He's the one who will finish the faith that you've got. So who do we look to for strength? Don't look to me. Who do we look to for strength? We look to Jesus. So when we don't feel like running, where do we look? Jesus. When we're struggling in things, where do we look? Jesus. When all those things are going on, where do we look? Jesus. He's telling us, here's what motivates us. Jesus creates it and completes it. So look into Christ. And let Him do that work that He wants to do in your life. And finally, it says, He does it. Why? For the joy set before him when jesus was facing the cross guys he was looking for the finish line i'm not so sure he was enjoying the cross says he despised the shame but i do know when he crossed the finish line there was joy just like for you and I. Scripture lays out for us, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way to glory. It's light. This is not the struggle. This we go through in this place in Romans eight eighteen. He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory which shall be revealed in us. When we see Jesus, nobody's going to say that wasn't worth it. Everybody's going to say, yes, we made it. So what's the point? Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run to Jesus. And if we will link arms as a body, then we will experience the joy of crossing the finish line And seeing Christ, we can be a part of one another. So I hope and pray that you'll join me on that endeavor. Let's pray. Father.